Today's episode is sponsored by By Heart, which is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. In our house, we never skim on family time together on the weekends. Instead of racing around crazy, we prioritize time at home, time to relax, time to do fun, crazy things that we wouldn't have ordinarily. And you know who else doesn't skim? By heart. By heart is the only American-made infant formula with globally sourced ingredients to use organic, grass-fed whole milk without a drop of skim. Whole milk is full of healthy fats like naturally occurring MFGM, which play an important role in baby's brain development and growth. Are you curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with codename Zibby20 for a limited time. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had a great break. I wanted to let you know about something that I've been talking a lot about on social media at Zibby Owens, which is the hashtag 22 in 22 challenge. We are... At Zibby Books, we are encouraging everybody, like all of you, to visit 22 bookstores in 2022. And we're going to provide a whole series of incentives for every five visits, and you'll be entered to win a $500 shopping spree, and you'll get fun things like bookmarks and all the rest. Plus, you'll be part of a great community of people all helping support bookstores, authors, and more. We're really, really excited about it. If you want to join, sign up. You just go to 22in22.net. That's 22in22.net and click I'm in and put your information. And then every time you go to a bookstore, you just quickly go back on the site and click log a bookstore visit. And then we'll be keeping track and we'll be following up with all of your different achievements and awards and everything. So please sign up, spread the word, 22 and 22, get your friends to join and start visiting bookstores and it'll be really fun and exciting. So here's to a wonderful 2022. I'm so excited that you're listening to my podcast and doing all the fun things that I have been trying to bring into the world. So here we go, 2022, hashtag 22 and 22. Susie Delellis Petruccelli is the author of Raised Warrior, a memoir of soccer, grit, and leveling the playing field. Susie is a former captain of the Harvard women's soccer team, youth coach, author, producer, and tech professional. She supports organizations that grow opportunities for girls, like the Women's Sports Foundation, Coaches Across Continents, and the Equal Playing Field Initiative. Susie invests in female-founded projects and startups like Ida Sports, a company that makes soccer cleats and sports shoes ergonomically designed for women, and Build and Imagine a toy company that designed STEM building toys for girls. Susie is the executive producer of the Equal Playing Field documentary, the suicide awareness film Last Call, and Warriors of a Beautiful Game, a film by Kelly Nascimento, the daughter of the Brazilian soccer icon Pele, and Julie Foodie, the U.S. women's national soccer team legend about gender inequality in soccer around the world. She works for Atlanta Media, 
building the women's soccer streaming platform to help grow exposure and fandom for the women's game. Welcome, Susie. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Raised a Warrior, a memoir of soccer, grit, and leveling the playing field. Thank you so much. Like, I'm so excited. So excited. Is, is this you on the cover, by the way? It is 99% sure it's me. It could also be my identical twin sister. We're not 100% <laughs> sure, but I do, I do think it's me. <laughs> Susie, I have to say, and I didn't end up taking the time to do this, but as I was reading your book, I wanted to Google your sister and try to find like pictures of you guys growing up. There must be, they must be out there, right? Because there was so much about Katie in the book and your relationship to her. And as a parent of twins, I was like, oh gosh, you know, I feel like some of it was a sort of a referendum on how your parents parented twins. It is. Yeah. Yeah. There are a ton of pictures and they're all very funny. They're all very funny. Yeah. We had like, one of us had the bangs, one of us, you know, they were always trying to figure out ways to differentiate us. I wore yellow, she wore pink. We had name. We had like my grandmother would embroider our names, like our first names, on all everything we wore. You know, it's hard. Twins are hard. I thought it was one of the scenes that I loved was you had been not working as hard in school as your sister, and yet excelling in athletics and all this other stuff. But just like you were like giving that to her, like she can be the student until you got the exact same score on an IQ test, which I also thought was so fascinating. Right? I mean, there's so many ways identical us. twins yeah. are different, but. That happened to us three times. Yeah, oh we had gosh. the same same IQ scores. My parents were like, um, we're going to just slide these papers in front of you and turn them over. And you can, you, you know, it's proof. Like, you cannot slack off in school. Like, this is not because you don't have the ability to do it. You're purposely not trying as hard as your sister. And it was good for me, actually, because if, that, if they hadn't had that proof, you know, I would have just kept going my own way and not really trying as hard as I possibly could. I don't think I knew I wasn't trying as hard as I possibly could, but that, yeah, that was, and then twice on the SAT, we got the same score. Same oh score. my gosh. Yeah. Wow. You're just like a nurture nature experiment. Just It is. I know. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've actually, yeah, we've thought about, we've actually applied for a couple of those studies, you know, they do like twin studies and stuff. There was, there's a new one now and it's in California, but because I live in New York and she lives in California, we couldn't do it. So yeah, we, it is, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Wow. So your book is the journey of you being an athlete, but also coming into your own and rebelling against some things, accepting other things, growing up and then fast forwarding and having kids in your own family and sort of the role of athletics, particularly as it relates to women over time. How'd I do with the summary there? That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. You can just take it and start using that. <laughs> but one thing that stuck out to me also, I tried to walk on to the Yale lacrosse team. I played lacrosse in high school, but you know, I was fine. I was like captain of my team, whatever in New York, but what it, like compared to the women on the Yale lacrosse team, I was not good at all, but it's fine. But for me, I always say like, as soon as I saw the communal showers, I was like, no, thanks. I'm done. I'm going to walk. I'm not even going to try. I know. And then to read that funny? scene in your book, oh my gosh, I thought I was like the only one. I'm like, I guess everybody else is cool with this. I know. Well, that's how you feel. You're like, well, I guess everybody's cool with this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it. And then the cool thing about it is, at least at our, in our era, once you do, it is very important for women, I think, to get over that body, you know, consciousness, like over self-consciousness. And, you know, some people do and some people don't. Like as the years went on, we did have girls who just never, never went in a communal shower. And, you know, it was funny for us at the time 
because we shared a shower. It wasn't even a private communal shower for our team. We shared it with two other teams. So, you know, sometimes there would be three teams, you know, in the same, in the same communal shower, which is nuts. I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know now how comfortable all the girls are with that, right? Like things have changed, right? right? I wonder, do they still do it? I don't even know. I'm so out of it. I, I think now, well, they have a completely new locker room now. They actually gave the girls now a locker room in this same building that the boys are in, which is, was long overdue. They renovated the locker rooms for the women. And now they have sort of, I think, I'm uh, almost 100% sure they have sort of like shower stalls. Yeah. So it's a little different. I mean, it's still, you know, not totally private, but. You also wrote in great detail, and I was like wincing in pain along with you about your injury to your quad muscle and like the very in-depth or how do I don't even know how to describe it, the most deep muscle that you could sort of snap. Yeah. It just like snapped like a rubber band, you said. And I'm always so fascinated with athletes who can't do their thing, right? Because there's almost nothing worse. Like I use that as an example for whenever you can't do so- anything, right? Because it's like, anyway, tell me about how, because it seemed like that moment really affected your development in general, that when you, you're, you were literally like hamstrung from a your career as, as it was building. Yeah. You know, it, it was funny because it took me a long time to process why everything, because when that happened, when that happened, my whole life kind of imploded and on and off the field. And I, and I didn't really, you know, it took me a while to look back and be like, why did everything fall apart when I, you know, couldn't play soccer anymore? And, you know, I think it, most of it was because who my grandfather was, who my father was, the family that I grew up in, you know, everything that, every important thing that happened in my life, every joy, every ounce of adrenaline, like, you know, all that stuff that happened to me was because of soccer. And so when it was gone and it was flipping and I felt soccer slipping away slowly and I was sort of like grasping to hold on to it, it was just, it was just, you know, it was very, it was devastating. It was devastating. And then obviously, you know, then you look back like five, 10 years later and you're like, okay, well, there's tons of other girls who have bigger, you know, setbacks in their lives and more traumatic things that happened to them. And, you know, I, I, it gave me like a perspective about, you know, even girls, you know, first of all, I started learning about title nine, right. Which is this law that was passed in 1972, only two years before I was born. So I realized that if I had been born just five years earlier, I wouldn't have had any of those opportunities to play soccer or play sports. My life would have been totally different. I may not have even, I most likely wouldn't have gotten into Harvard, right? So, you know, it was, it was just like this, you know, and then I start to think, well, if girls in the United States don't have a law till 1972 that protects their access to education and sports, then what about girls outside the United States, right? So it was just become, it became sort of like this domino effect. And I took, you know, and this all led to, you know, taking me 25 years to write this book because I just kept learning. I was like, where, where's the end of this story? Where's the good news? You know, where's the happy ending? And, they're, they, you know, we're not there yet. But that's okay because we have yeah. advocates like you and you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there. Uh, we are making progress. Yes. And then I feel like our daughter's daughters are going to be, you know, all good. It's going to be all good by the time. I hope so. I really hope so. But I do worry. I mean, look, you know, Roe v. Wade is under attack. That's look true. what's going, you know, these, that's part of the story, right? And the mo- maybe the most important thing in the book is what I saw was these laws that we had throughout history. Not only were they, was it always a battle? Like they kept using that word. It's a battle to, to pass these laws. I was like, why is it a battle to give us the same rights that boys have always had? You know, it just felt wrong to me. 
And then not only that, but I realized that the, and those laws that we have, we can't, they're not guaranteed. They're actually always under attack. And there's these organizations, these nonprofits and these amazing people that literally work 24 seven to protect those laws. So they stay in place. And in a lot of ways, they're losing, you know, a title nine was overturned twice. You know, obviously like Roe v. Wade, like I'm saying is, you know, could very well be overturned. But the women in Afghanistan, you know, who now are under Taliban rule, like they've gone back so far in history to, you know, where they stand in terms of their rights and accessibility. So, you know, it just, it really scared me. That's kind of, you know, I was like, if I, if as a female athlete, as a college female athlete, I had never heard of Title IX and I didn't know that all these laws are at risk. Like I need to do something. I need to try to tell this story in an interesting way so that people will, will read, we will care about the history and get engaged and, you know, and try to, and try to like stand up just so, like you're saying, like we're all expecting things to be better for our daughters. But I honestly am worried that if we don't get involved, you know, we're not, we're not only going to not, we're not only going to not get to gender equality or like equal pay, but we're going to lose the rights that we already have. Well, that's depressing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but it's Actually, not you're depressing pre- because- No, we, no, no. It's inspiring. We, yeah. It, no, yeah. I'm kidding. It's inspiring. There's hope. There's action steps. We don't have to sit passively. There's lots to do. Yeah. You are a major advocate. And we advocate. do have the power. Yeah, we do have the power. We have spending power. We have consumer power. We have- you know, we, we do have the power to change things. I felt very unempowered, as that a word, <laughs> unempowered for a long time. And then, you know, it took a very long time for me to find my voice. And even though I'm losing it right now, but, you know, to find my, to find my power again and realize that, you know, all of us, all little girls, you know, look what, I mean, look at the amazing things that you're doing, right? Like, you know, we all have a voice. Thank you. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> you can't loop me into this. <laughs> So you don't have to answer this or talk about it really, but there was this one moment in the book between you and your brother, Tom, I think it was Tom, and the two of you are sitting in the car and you hmm. decide, can I that's talk about Tony. Yeah. Yeah. That's my oldest brother, Tony. That was Tony. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I think so. I think I know where you're going. Okay. And you sort of took a deep breath and decided to confide in him yep. that you were bisexual right. and he laughed, which you didn't appreciate. And yeah, then I was he like, said, Oh God, that's yeah. not the reaction I was hoping for. And then he ended up telling you that he was also bisexual and then ended up going on and marrying a man and they're in a relationship or they were in the book and mm-hmm. all of that. And that was just that moment in the car. I mean, some of the scenes you wrote were so vivid. You just like completely yep. took us there. So I feel like now I was in the car with the two of you, but maybe you have some more details to shine on that moment. Yeah. You know, I, I was, like I said, like I lost soccer and my whole life, like I was sort of self-destructed. And, you know, I think there had been a lot of moments in my life leading up to that point that, you know, not just not just about soccer, but about who I was and about not being like authentic to myself and pretending to be who I thought I was supposed to be, that kind of stuff. And, you know, all of those moments had had sort of left, uh, like, let's say, like loose bricks or like, you know, hollow bricks in my kind of emotional foundation. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. And so, you know, it like being brave enough to say those things out loud that, you know, I never was felt very ashamed of actually, and like not confident about talking about and didn't know what, you know, didn't know what his reaction was going to be. Like those, those moments, I think are the moments that I try very hard to be 
honest about in the book. Cause I feel like if I, I feel like, first of all, people don't talk about those moments a lot still. And if I can, if I can be honest about them, people will hopefully relate to me and that will carry them. That will earn like their trust. Like I will earn their trust by being honest in that way. And then hopefully they'll also believe me as I start to explain to them what's going on in women's sports and like how the women's sports movement is so deeply tied into like the women's movement, you know, in general. And so that's sort of like, you know, that's sort of what I was trying to do is like, be like, okay, well, this, I'm going to be raw. I'm going to be honest with you. And, you know, and, and I, my brother really didn't, my brother didn't come out to our family till years later. And, you know, I don't, we like, even in my family, like, obviously I, I, you know, I married my, someone I played soccer with a guy I played soccer with at Harvard. And, you know, it's not, we, we talk about my sexuality, but it's funny because it's kind of a moot point. Like I married, right. you know, I married a man, so it hasn't really come up that much, but yeah, it was, it was a really important moment. It was, it was a cool moment for me and my brother. Okay. We can't bubble wrap our kids to keep them safe, but we can give ourselves some peace of mind now with the Life360 app, which I am obsessed with. I first heard about this from a girlfriend at a party who told me that this was the app to use. So I got it. And now I am obsessed. It's a family connection and safety app that lets you track the people and things that are most important to you. And it's much more than sharing location. It is about safety. It keeps families connected and protected throughout the day. Plus, it helps you find your things. So I have tiles, one of which I put on my phone, which I lose 100 times a day, and I can find it through the app whenever I lose it. Also, it lets me put in locations of interest. So I get alerts when my kids reach school after taking the bus or when my husband gets to LA or whoever you want to track. You can do it with Life360 and feel very protected and safe and it makes life better. It makes peace of mind better. Life360 has my family's back when they're on the road, and I can track their stuff too if I need to. Plus, of course, it's a lifeline during emergencies because you can have crash detection to know if one of the kids is in an accident and with two almost driver's license kids, that is super important to me too. So put away the bubble wrap and protect your loved ones with Life360. Visit life360.com or download the app today and use code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S, all caps, to get one month of the gold package for free, plus 15% off all tiles. That's life360.com, code BOOKS. I loved when you realized that you actually liked your husband in that way, you know, in the book. And you were like, wait, I think actually, I think maybe I like him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I turned to my friend, my best friend at the time. I was like, you're not going to believe this. Like a loud bar, you know, I'm like whispering. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but I think I have feelings for Armando. <laughs> and it was, and she was just bah, hot, like the biggest laugh, you know, because it was such a surprise. It was such a surprise to everybody. And plus he was a freshman when I was a senior, which made it even more of a, you know, surprise. So yeah, that was, that was really funny. Now, how long, we, have, you, you how long have you been married? We've been married 18, almost 18 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Three kids. Yeah. I also love his birthday actually. Oh, I loved when you were talking about your daughter and how, I guess she didn't want to wear a dress or skirts or something like that. And Armando reminded you that like, that was exactly like you, even though. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. He's like, you know, she's just like you. And I was like, you're right. You got me. It's true. <laughs> why am I, why am I doing this to her? You know, I'm like repeating the cycle. I'm like enforcing social norms on her when I hated that. Right. Yeah. So he, but luckily he was like, snap out of it. <laughs> I had the same thing with my daughter yesterday. We went to see, I mean, this will air later, but Anyway, we went to see the Radio City Christmas Spectacular or whatever, and she had asked me how long it would be, and I was like, I think it's been an hour, which she interpreted to be exactly an hour. So anyway, the whole time we were there, she kept looking at her little Garmin watch or whatever, being like, okay, it's been 22 minutes, it's been 30 minutes, it's been 33 minutes, you know, whatever. And I was like, just relax and enjoy it. But meanwhile... I was like, that's exactly what I did. Exactly what you would have right? done, yeah. And that's what I was doing in my head all along anyway. And then I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to create these creatures who don't share some of our pitfalls or our strengths or whatever. But the things that, I don't know, the things that I'm usually the most like, don't do that, are the things I do myself. <laughs> I know, totally. Yeah. We're, but luckily for me at that time, and and actually, you know, it is hard though. I do see it from from a mom's perspective too. Like, I saw kids picking on her because of the way she dressed and I felt bad for her. And, you know, I wanted her in a lot of ways. It was about me kind of protecting her. I don't know if that, if that's the way it was for my mom. I think my mom actually just like sort of had this image of what a little girl should look like. And also I had an identical twin sister who was that little girl, you know? So like, why can't you wear a dress and stockings and little shoes and put a bow in your hair and, and leave your hair brushed and not come back with, you know, skin knees all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's funny. Wow. I really did get a sense though, in your family history with both your dad and your grandfather being big deal football guys. And just, you know, that there was this DNA sort of coursing through you, right? This genetic, amazing athleticism. And when I was reading it, I was like, I can't wait to see what happens with her kids, right? Where are your kids going to, they must all be amazing athletes too. It just seems like you have such a strong gene. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. No. And that's the way it did. It did feel that way. And I, I did feel like I was part of that family legacy. And, you know, my, my kids are doing well. They're actually, none of them are playing very much soccer, which is funny because my, you know, obviously my husband and I are both soccer players and, but they're all playing a lot of lacrosse, which, you know, as you know, in in New York area is like very, very, very popular, very hard to avoid. Yes. So they play a lot of lacrosse and they love it. So it's good. And they're getting everything out of it that I loved about soccer. And I'm learning a lot about I'm learning a lot from being a parent of an athlete and they're all different levels too. And so I'm learning a lot about sort of the other, you know, being the flip side and being the parent. Cause I was very, I was very critical of the way my dad was, you know, my dad was harsh, right? He was a tough person. Like the book's called raised a warrior because that's how he raised us on the field was to like sacrifice our bodies for, for the team. Right. So I'm seeing it now from the parent perspective, which, which is also really, really interesting. I feel like when I read about people like your dad and, you know, I'm just like such a wimp when it comes, like, I'm just so not strict enough at all. I understand there's a, there's a, there's a spectrum, like continuum, but I'm like, wow, he pushed and look what you achieved though, right? You know, you and your sister are both at Harvard, like playing yeah. soccer and, you know, captaining the team and, you know, now you've dedicated your life to this and I don't know. I'm like, well, maybe there's something to all that pushing. You know, it's funny though. I, I well, from now I married obviously, which we do. I married someone like my father. So he's the, he's the one who's pushing and he's, he's really similar to my dad, which is so funny. But, you know, and so I'm sort of the balance on that. 
And so I'm probably more like you where I'm, I'm like, no, like let them play other sports. And, you know, everyone should be quiet on the sidelines. Like, I, you know, the, the parent yelling on the sidelines, you know, I think it's hard because I, I it actually still, I still feel it. Like I'm still that kid on the field. Right. And I'm like, ouch, ouch. Ooh. <laughs> you know, it pains me for these kids that are getting yelled at, but you know, you're right. Like it did, you know, they were, they were hard on us and they did expect a lot from us. And I, and I also now am gra- so grateful that my dad was okay, or actually encouraged my sister and I to be athletes. Cause there are so many girls in the world who their fathers won't let them play sports. Just, you know, they're still not allowed to play sports. So, you know, that part of it, I was like, okay, well, I need to go easier on my dad because, you know, he, he encouraged us to be students and athletes. He expected us to be students and athletes, which now I know doesn't happen for a lot of girls, Right. you know? Wow. Yeah. You talked in the book a little about, well, not a little, but about your relationship with your body and how at times you had gained weight and lost weight and your diagnosis of PCOS and like dealing with that and how you felt. And I'm wondering now, how do you feel about your body like today? Like, what's it like today? And what's your relationship to athletics like now? Like, what do you do? How do you see working out? Like that whole thing. Such a good question. So I'm happier with my body than I've ever been in my life, which is so nice to say, because it was a struggle for so long. And, but it's funny because I hadn't seen my parents for a very long time, right? With COVID and they're in LA. And so I went to visit a couple of times this year and they, they were like, are you okay? Cause I was thin, you know? And they were like, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, I can't win with these people. (laughs) (laughs) They were on my case for so long about being overweight. And now I'm like thin and, you know, feel good about myself. And they're now they're on my case for being too skinny. I'm like, I can't even win, but no, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy where I am. And I, I'm, I, I'm not exercising enough. I, you know, I kind of was so exhausted after all those years of playing soccer. My body is hurts. <laughs> you know, my shoulder hurts, my wrist hurts. Like I have two, you know, bulging discs, like herniated discs in my neck. And, you know, I, I, my quad never healed and I tore an, you know, I tore an MCL. I'm just a mess. I'm a, I'm a physical mess. So, you know, I was trying to do yoga. I, I, you know, I do, and I miss soccer. I, it's crazy. I'm 47 years old and I still miss it so much, you know, but you know, I'll, I'll get, I'll get, I'll find, I need to find something that, you know, like keeps me like building muscle and all, you know, all that healthy stuff that I was getting from soccer. I need to find, I still need to find something like that now for like sort of the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah. My my husband played professional tennis and he has similar stuff going on with Mm -hmm. his body, but there was one doctor who was like, you know, you really just shouldn't play tennis anymore. And so he took a couple of weeks and was like, then who am I? Oh, well, that's what happened to me. That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have, you know, I lost my whole identity and especially also too, my identity in my, in our twinship. Right. So my identity, like differentiating myself from my sister was the, I was the soccer player and she was the student. So when I lost that, it really just, I was empty. I was empty for a really long time. And then also, you know, at that time there was no, there was zero avenue for a girl to sort of build a career for herself in sports at all. There was no women's soccer league yet. There was, I don't even think there was a women's basketball yet a league yet. And so there was really nowhere to go. And if you, if you, if I had sort of pivoted and been like, okay, well, I want to stay in sports, I want to stay, 
you know, maybe I'll try to work in the NFL. Like women weren't really working in sports at all at that time. You know, they really weren't in sports journalism yet. So there was just no, there was, I totally lost my purpose. I lost, like, I lost myself. Like, you know, like, like you're saying it, it was, it was really hard. So I get it. I get it. And plus, yeah. And now I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, everything still hurts. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. He still plays tennis all the time. Even yeah, I know. I keep trying too. That's why I keep hurting myself. Yeah. yeah. You guys should hang out. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We, we would relate to each other. Yeah. So wait, where is, what's, what's happened with your sister? Like, where is she now? What's her life like? So my sister ended up, he, she ended up going to medical, uh, not medical school. She got a doctorate in epidemiology, which is like the, you know, statistical study of epidemics. And, but then she was studying breast cancer for a long time. And I think she just got like burnout on the process of like writing grants. And I think honestly, she felt discriminated in a lot of ways because and this might, this might sound strange, but she sort of doesn't fit the mold of like, even a female science researcher, right? She was the pretty one and, you know, as the two of us. So she was very pretty girl, just a very pretty woman. And I think people just didn't take her seriously in that world that she was in. And so she got, you know, she kind of got like disenchanted with the whole thing. And then, so she's done a couple, she started working for my dad finally, even though, which I think is funny because, you know, when we were teenagers, my dad told us like without any kind of emotion, just matter of factly that, he would never give his company to a girl. And so, but my sister just, you know, she's, she's badass. And she went to business school after that, after she got her PhD and she started working for my dad. So, and then now she runs, she has a very cool life. They live actually in Yosemite National Park and she and her husband run the general store, the only general store in Yosemite National Park. It's called the Pine Tree Market. So shout out to Pine Tree Market, it's, you know, if anybody's around or ever goes to Yosemite, check it out. You'll see my doppelganger there. She'll be sitting behind the counter helping out, helping everybody out. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, the way we started was she was the put together, like type, you know, type A, yeah. always, always matched. And, you know, I was like the grungy one, you know, and now I live in this town that's surrounded by all these women that, you know, are very done up and always put together, very New Yorky, right? So I've gravitated towards that. And she's gravitated towards like the grungy kind of, you know, jeans and a flannel, like lifestyle that I was. So it's like, you know, we went like, kind of went like that. It's really strange. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like she races tractors, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, you have such an interesting story. I'm so glad you wrote it. I'm so glad I read it. And you did such a nice job of like taking us along for the ride. And I just love it. You like put us Aww. right there in the moment. And I don't know. I was like so proud when you had your kids. I, I this sound ridiculous, <laughs> but you know, I, I feel like we got to go through the, some of the hardest times of your life. And so I feel like really excited for you that now you have this book out and, and all of that. So that Aww. must feel great. And anyway, so what advice would you have for aspiring authors? Ah, you know, so just keep going, just keep going. Like this took me 25 years to get published and 25 years really to find, find the real story that I was waiting for and looking for. And then I also was, took a like completely untraditional route to getting published. Actually, I won an award originally in England. Yes. So I won this prize in England. And so the book was published first there. 
And then through that, I got a publisher here in, in New York. So yeah, I, I would just say, you know, meet as many people as you can, keep writing, follow your heart, you know, follow your gut and, you know, just keep building like your platform and just keep, you know, whatever, whatever your purpose is, like whatever you're a warrior for, just, you know, keep going, just keep fighting. Love it. Yeah. Well, Susie, thank you. This was so much fun. I really love chatting with you and yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm like, you made my, you made my year. I mean, this is like, this is incredible. Thank you so much. Oh, all right. Well, I hope to see you soon, but I won't be all made up even though I live in New York. <laughs> I'm like in sweatpants myself. So yeah. <laughs> not that anyone has to know that. I love right. Thank you. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.